0: Africa Calling, a bi monthly podcast with sound rich reports from our correspondents on the continent. African Voices reporting on African stories produced by
1: Radio France International. Hello and welcome to our season two, episode thirteen of the Africa Calling podcast on March fourth, twenty twenty two. I'm Laura Angela Benieto. We have a number of stories from the African continent this week, including a report from Malawi on how people affected by Cyclone Anna are faring. Plus, we'll take a look at how one artist finds inspiration in Nigeria, far from the hustle and bustle of Lagos. And in Kenya, our correspondent takes a look at farmers who are trying to prevent antimicrobial resistance in crops, which can be passed along to humans. And finally, don't forget our special song at the end.
2: Africa calling.
1: In Malawi, it's been almost a month since Cyclone Anna made landfall in the country after wreaking havoc in Madagascar and Mozambique. Overall, the storm affected more than 216,000 people and killed at least 10 in Malawi, with hundreds of families displaced by heavy rains and flooding. But to those still living in makeshift camps, wounds and memories are still fresh, and the quality of life is unimaginable. Correspondent Charles Pensulo visited one of the camps and filed this report.
3: Mandida Matias, a 39-year-old mother of six, was sleeping when she heard a commotion outside her house. People were shouting, others beating drums to alert the people. By the time she managed to get out of the house with her children, the water was already
4: up to her waist. The water came around 12 o'clock midnight. All we managed to do was run for our lives. All our belongings, including clothes, bedding, goats, chickens and kitchen utensils, were all washed away. It was very terrifying.
3: Matias, like hundreds of others who were in the same situation, managed to reach the nearest primary school where they camped for the night. It was meant to be a temporary shelter until the water subsided. But many, after returning home a few days later to check on their properties, found that most of it, if not all, had been washed away. Matias is not new to the flowers. Chikwawa, the district where she lives and is neighboring in Sanje, lie in the southmost end of the country. Shire River, the largest in the country and the only outlet of Lake Malawi, passes through the districts and connects with the other rivers before they empty into Zambezi River in the Mozambique. When it rains in the country, the two districts bear the brand of it all. It was here where another cyclone, Idai, caused massive damage back in 2019. Matthias takes me to where her home once stood. It's next to a number of homes that were destroyed. Uh, uh, Matthias says this year's cyclone was different it was fast, uh, heavier and uh, more dangerous. Uh, looking at the house that used to be Matias' home, it is hard to imagine how people managed to escape from uh, the puff gush of water, which was accompanied by uh, heavy wind. Matthias here is showing me the direction from which the water came from, and points at what used to be her house. Now, what remains is just the remains of a wall. She also points at a, an abandoned house nearby, which uh, is submerged in the sand up to the window level. Everyone was affected here, she says. Back at the camp, which houses about 800 people, including young children, Matthias and dozens of other women are cooking thick polish using pots and firewood in a room that used to be a classroom. When the night falls, they'll sleep in the classrooms. Paul Malonga, a 35-year-old father of three, says life is not only uncomfortable, but they also lack basic things. Like others, his house was also swept away along with his crops.
5: We didn't manage to rescue our properties,
2: just our children. We went to a neighbor's house, but a moment later I heard the sound of the house falling. In the morning, when we went there, there was nothing to save. My two boys and the girl are learning at this school. My goats, chicken, clothes and everything in the house were destroyed. These clothes that we were wearing were given to us by some well wishes. Staying in a group like this is difficult more, especially with your children. We are surviving on handouts. From
5: Well Wishes.
3: Felix Makazankari, a health surveillance assistant for the area, says is concerned with the quality of hygiene at the camp, especially for the young children. Health surveillance assistants, or HSAs in short, are grassroots health care providers in Malawi employed by the government to spearhead a provision of Community social Health Package.
5: This group has uh, six villages and the whole six villages has been affected with the floods. So far we had the Nyangu primary school camp where 268 families have been affected with the floods. Out of these 268 families we have a population of 868 people that are camping at this school. And uh, out of this figure, we have 301 males and uh, 567 females. What
3: are the immediate needs uh, of the people that are here at the camp?
5: Okay, um, one clinic uh, we don't have uh, the hand washing facilities that we use for the prevention of the, some of the diseases at this camp, because uh, since the camp has been opened, no bucket has been, uh, has been provided here. Uh, so we have a problem that we, if people go to the toilet, then when they come back, they don't have the washing facility. Uh, well, washing facility, yes. And uh, the other side that we are using the toilet for the school, in fact, there is a congestion because during school days, it's uh, a problem because we see children there and even the parents going there, so it's not good. So another challenge is that one. <laughs>
3: Nyangu is not the only place where people, the survivors of Anna, are camping after their houses were damaged beyond repair. Other camps are found in Ninsanche, Molanche, and Palombe districts. Here, in the outskirts of Chikwawa, there are four camps within a stretch of just 20 kilometers. Dr. Victor Miti is president of the Association of Society of Medical Doctors in Malawi, whose team is responding to the victims. He estimates that the district has 94 camps, each one of them housing an average of 400 survivors. The medical needs of the people are overwhelming. Uh,
2: so far from our assessment, we have seen a lot of um, um, new infections within the camps, uh, issues to do with our diarrhea, issues to do with our skin infections, eye infections. Uh, malaria and other type of infections Uh, we have also been able to see other people that have been discontinued from the routine care so people that were on hiv care due to the disaster they couldn't uh, afford to proceed with the medications where the medications was wiped away the same applies to people with other chronic conditions like hypertension uh, diabetes and uh, and others We have also seen a lot of pregnant women in these camps and there are some cases of others even delivering within this unsafe environment within the camps. Uh, We have also seen issues of malnutrition because people have lost almost everything that they had and uh, and now they they don't have enough food so therefore there are cases of acute
3: acute malnutrition. But are the doctors able to meet the health needs of the people in the camps? Miti says they need more help.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of that needs to be done. Um, you, you can imagine that uh, all this pressure is on uh, the health workers within the district. And the challenging event is that our healthcare system was already uh, struggling, was already behind in terms of uh, the surprise and the availability of the drugs. Now with the coming in of um, disasters like these ones, it even amplifies the problem. Uh, So we really need a lot of support, and this support could be in form of uh, medications uh, and in form of food uh, to to these victims, in form of shelter, uh, crops and other type of support. Uh, Otherwise, medically, we're doing our best, but we need more hands and more uh, material and medication support.
3: Children play football in the camp, while their parents say they have no idea how they will bounce back from the disaster with their life possessions washed away. In the meantime, some are doing peace work and small jobs to provide for some of the needs for their families. But some leaders in the area are already coming up with forward-thinking actions. One chief, village headman Samson, has sold his cattle and goods to buy safe land to relocate his people to higher ground to avoid future disasters he has 65 subordinates who lost everything during the cyclone it is these people that need to be supported further according to dr mitty away from the small groups of men hushed together at the camp the children are chanting while playing football nearby oblivious to the sad tales at the camp maybe there is a hope. Reporting for Africa Calling, this is Charles Spenslow in Chihuahua.
2: Find us on your favorite podcast platform app, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.
1: In Kenya, the growth in human population and more people moving to cities has put pressure on farmers to produce more. In an effort to be more productive yet efficient, farmers are using agrochemicals such as pesticides on their crops, which reduces losses. But because of the misuse and overuse of these pesticides, the crop and livestock products that people consume contain these chemicals, which creates health problems. Correspondent Victor Maturi has more from Kajado, Kenya.
6: Here at Mwanya Village in Eastern Kenya, Judith Mumbua is busy cultivating her farm. Mumbua, a mother of three, has been practicing organic farming for three years now. Organic agriculture is where farmers use an ecological-based method such as compost manure, green manure, and biological fertilizers derived from animal waste. She says this method has increased her food quality and production.
1: In the beginning, I used chemicals on my farm, but I changed to organic farming, and I've benefited a lot. I'm producing more too. If you use chemicals like those fertilizers we get from shops, your soil becomes infected. It becomes hard, and plants like maize and beans do poorly. But if you use an organic method, it doesn't harm the crops nor the livestock. My children are now going to school with the monetary gains I've made through farming this way.
4: Organic.
6: Mumbua says she started paying more attention to this issue after attending trainings at a local agriculture organization. This kind of farming has helped her to curb antimicrobial resistance in crops, which she has been experiencing for many years. Antimicrobial resistance is when microorganisms such as bacteria, viruses, fungi and parasites change in ways and no longer respond to medicine, making infections hard to treat and even manage in crops.
1: There are organic medicines and there are chemical medicines. For organic medicine, it's easy to make using locally available materials such as leaves, chicken droppings, cow dung, goat and sheep droppings, and even using wood ash from the kitchen. It does well, and if you spray it on your fruit tree in the morning, your child can pick the fruit and eat it without any problems.
6: At a nearby St. Mary's primary school, Chelsea Itumo is a well-known farmer and agricultural teacher. He has invited students to his small piece of land adjacent to the school for agriculture classes. Itumo says that, for the past two years, his farm has been producing poor yields compared to the previous years. He realized this was due to antimicrobial resistance on his crops after some organic agriculture experts visited his farm.
3: These chemicals uh, it does not only affect the immediate farmer, but this is uh, extends down even to the consumer of the product. So there are very many ripple effects. Some of the by-products that we get from the farm, we also use it to feed our animals. So you find that there is a ripple effect. But uh, now that there are many bodies, individual farmers who are sensitizing us on the use of uh, organic extracts to do away with the pests and diseases, I believe it is a sure way to go. We are also sensitizing our children on the benefits of organic. organic farming other than the use of chemicals at our homes.
6: Wayne Mwea, a class 5 student at St. Mary's Primary School, tells African Calling the importance of organic farming.
7: We study agriculture to learn the ways of farming and how people earn income by farming. Organic agriculture is farming without using chemicals. Like when you dig a compost pit and you take some materials then it decomposes you can use as manure in the farm organic farming helps farmers to save money it helps them a lot in the growth of plants Uh, we grow spakuskumawiki, spinach onions and tomatoes
6: in neighboring kajedo county peter melonye is attending to his livestock Melonie, who is a small scale farmer, says he has been feeding his livestock with organic feeds from his farm for 18 years now. Melonia says what his livestock produces is of quality and free from chemicals and microbial-resistant strains.
0: It is easier to treat an animal without antimicrobial resistance than an infected one. The infected one takes a lot of time to treat and doesn't heal easily. We feed animals who provide products such as milk and meat, so if you feed them with natural and quality feeds you will get quality products. The milk you will get will be chemical free and good for consumption both for your family and customers.
6: Apart from livestock rearing, Melonia is also practicing mixed cropping, where he plants different crops in one piece of land. Melonia says the agriculture extension officers and local organizations have been of a great help to him thanks to the decentralized agriculture system in Kenya.
0: Our agriculture sector is devolved. Our country and central governments, along with other organizations, are trying to reach farmers at the grassroots level.
8: Here on my farm, we started a field school where other farmers come to be trained on how to deal with problems and
0: what type of crops are needed for both human and livestock consumption.
6: The government and other partners are helping us a lot. Fungicide and antibiotic residue in crops encourages the emergence of resistant fungi and bacteria strains. It could also increase the risk of human resistance as well as other health risks. According to Eustace Kiarie, an organic expert at Kenya Organic Agriculture Network, (Koan). The use of the same type of products for a long time is the main cause of antimicrobial resistance in farms.
7: Products were, that were used to manage uh, certain diseases, either pests or uh, diseases uh, in animals and crops, are no longer working. And if they are working, there is delay in terms of uh, how long they are working. This is what we refer to resistance. This has been uh, as a result of using maybe the same product over a long time and... Uh, the target, uh, or disease, then uh, becomes resistant uh, to this. If it's for crops, you ensure that uh, the soil is healthy. Healthy soils produce healthy crops that are able to resist some of these uh, pathogens. You ensure that the livestock, uh, your animals and birds are healthy. The second one is uh, regular monitoring, uh, where you do regular monitoring and you take action uh, before the, the thing becomes too much thirdly is we have seen uh, uh, an increase in terms of the products in the market uh, that are uh, naturally produced and they are able to manage these uh, pathogens effectively
6: animal experts say antimicrobial resistant strains are also heavily detected in animal products that comes from pigs cows goats chicken and sheep this link affects human health dr dennis bahati a veterinary officer at African Network for Animal Welfare says most farmers treat their animals without consulting proper veterinary experts, which leads to such resistance. There is excessive abuse of of, of these specific
8: drugs, especially antibiotic use. And I'll give you a good example in Masai Land, the community members have become so accustomed to treating their animals that they don't even consult veterinarians. They don't consult animal health experts. So they end up going to uh, the local agro or pharmacy and buying these drugs and injecting their animals directly. They are doing this with no dosing whatsoever. They are not following any guidelines or any protocols. So you find These animals are pumped with so much antibiotics that they will inject the animals with this um, antibiotic and the following morning they will milk that animal and go and sell that for consumption. So you find people are consuming a lot of uh, antibiotic residues, uh, not only in the milk but also in the meat that we consume. So what happens, continued exposure with, with these residues causes these microbes to actually develop resistance on the long term.
6: For now, more Kenyan farmers are trying to venture into organic farming to increase quality farm produce and also protect their health. However, they are appealing to the government and other agriculture organisations to offer more trainings for better production. Reporting for RFI's Africa Calling, this is Victor Muturi in Kajiado, Kenya.
2: Africa Calling, produced by Radio France International.
1: In Nigeria, an artist born and raised in Lagos, Africa's largest city, decided to pack it up and move to the calmer, low-key, historic town of Ile-Ife in southwest Nigeria. Duton Popula, an artist who works in scrap metals, creates life-size sculptures that have been featured all over the world. But what inspires his creativity? And what made him leave Nigeria's economic hub in Lagos to live and work in an ancient city? Correspondent Samuel Okocha traveled to Ile-Ife to find out more.
9: From his studio workshop in Ileife, Popola is striking metal, soon to become one of his sculptures made with materials from
10: metal scraps. I use my work as a metaphor to, number one, to protest the issue of waste in our environment and uh, they need to repurpose them to something magnificent that you can see and appreciate. Uh, there are different kind of uh, ways that people recycled scraps. Some recycle, uh, some upcycle. you know, they do upcycling. So basically what I do is more upcycling. Yeah, clean, you know, in case you want to say, well, um, um, David, It's a Saturday in
9: Dortun's studio, and domestic uh, tourists driving three hours from Lagos have come to see his works and listen to him talk about his art. Ileife, an Asian town of half a million people, is historically significant to Yoruba people. It's also famous for its beautiful bronze, stone, and terracotta sculptures. Dortun tells us why he left Lagos, where he grew up, to live in Ileife.
10: My staying here is to get away from Lagos' distraction. That's number one. I don't want to spend my whole day in traffic, and I don't want the noise of my neighbor except the noise of my birds. So, like I said, I was born in Lagos, Agege, and I came to school here, and I saw this serenity of the environment. It's so silent to think. So, I believe in staying here, where there is no distraction, The only sound I want to hear is the sound of my parrot, you hear that? And the sound of my dog and the birds. And that inspires my creativity.
9: Back in Lagos, I head to Ikeja where I met Ifa Enchuku Oraimeka, an artist and curator. Ifa Enchuku shares the sentiment of Dotu in finding inspiration from silence.
4: Yes, they will get inspiration here from Lagos, but I also think that, out of state, you have lesser things to contend with your energy, lesser things to contend with your strengths. There's peace and quiet. There's a whole lot of inspiration that comes from peace and quiet. Inspiration can come from noise. Don't get me wrong, it can come from noise. But there are different types of noise.
9: While Ifanya encourages artists to explore other cities for their quiet environment, she is quick to add that Lagos remains Nigeria's hub for arts and exhibitions. It provides some form of inspiration that artists should
4: take advantage of. When you go for exhibitions, you get inspiration. Some, some people who have never had an exhibition for their works, it's they get to sell it, but they never thought oh, they could have an exhibition. When they came for exhibition that I have curated, they got inspired and said okay you know i think we, i think i can do this i think i can exhibit my works after I, I had spoken with them and all that if they had not come out of their place to that spot they may not have gotten that inspiration i, I use the word may because they may not have gotten it um, so Lagos is just like um, is the hub
9: as Lagos serves as the hub for nigeria's economic activities where does an internationally renowned scrap metal artist working from Ileife sell his art? Or better put, who buys most of Dotun's luxury artworks? Dotun is frank.
10: I have to be very sincere. Nigeria can buy anything. They will tell you that, okay, an American, American market is good. American market is good. I've shown my works in almost all the states, well, 20 states precisely in the US. And the response is not as good as what I get here. The number one thing I will get in America is that if you're gonna show your work, you gotta be registered with a gallery and the gallery will represent you. When your work is sold, you get 50%, the gallery takes 50%, which is good. you get into an American market, Sotheby's, Bonham's, and all the auction houses. But if I sell my work in Nigeria, <laughs> one young boy from one estate that is not even known in Lagos can bring the solid cash. Meanwhile, someone in America will still tell you, I, 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 can I do a payment plan? You know, I, I, I don't have time for a payment plan. I just want to make my money. Dorton says Nigerians are
9: becoming active players in the global art market at a time when the world is focusing on African arts.
10: Some Nigerians are beginning to know or learn that when you buy an artwork, here, in the next five, six years, when the art is blue, you can actually take it to Bonhams or take it to auction house in the US and sell. Because the whole world now is focusing on African art. The whole world is buying African art, big time. So, I mean, you see Njideka clearly selling like uh, three, four, five million dollars for just one piece of art. You understand? So African art is growing, but for me, I think the home market will take care of uh, me for now, then prepare me for the future.
9: And as Dotton prepares for the future, is carrying others along, providing mentorships to young artists looking to find their own voice. Christiana Balogun, a female welder, is one of ten artists working as apprentices in Dotun's Studio.
4: One thing I'm looking forward to take once I'm done here, it's confidence, is the way he speaks, because the way Mr. Kukwola speaks, he speaks with confidence, and one thing, that, that has been the one particular thing that I actually want, because I, I don't usually talk, I don't have that confidence, but looking at him, talking to him, has actually built my um, service him into a certain stage, and I'm looking forward to building more about that.
9: With Nigeria projected to become the third most populous country in the world before 2050, more artists like Dotun are interested in places with fewer distractions. And that means more artists and their arts living in and taking inspiration from more rural settings of Africa's most populous country. Reported for RFI's Africa Cooling. This is Samuel Okocha in Lagos, Nigeria.
2: Check us out on Twitter, Africa underscore underscore calling. We're at Africa
1: underscore underscore calling. We're almost at the end of our program, but of course we're ending on a special song. Born and raised in Harare, Zimbabwe, musician Stephen Chikazaza, the son of a minister, grew up in the church tradition. This background comes through in his music, especially his latest album, Familiar People. Stephen, who now lives in Australia, describes his sound as R&B and soul with hints of jazz, folk, and gospel. And at a time of lots of darkness, My Good Things, a song he wrote and performs on the Familiar People album, is the perfect pick-me-up. Part of the lyrics say, I know my good things are worth fighting for. We agree. Ooh. 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 And on that note, thanks for listening to Season 2, Episode 13 of Africa Calling. We'll leave you with the fabulous sounds of Stephen Chikazaza. I'm Laura Angela Benieto. This episode was edited and recorded by Erwan Rome. Goodbye for now.
0: I've been falling down on my knees today. Asking the Lord for you to come my way i in circles, chasing shadows on footprints Hoping for the day it would all make sense I've run so fast, I forgot what I was running for Pushing so hard, not remember what I'm pushing for No down, down If they say only fools rush in, is that the same as chasing after the wind? Trying to make sense of what I don't understand. Got me thinking. I know my good things are worth waiting for. Oh oh. I know my good things are worth waiting for. I've been moving on this here dusty road Walking through the day with songs to feed my soul Time after time, reaching for the light Hope don't let me go, I'm gonna get this right But where do I go when all my ancestors The is an uphill climb Does that mean only the strong will survive? Trying to make sense of what's real Not the lies Got me thinking I know my good things are worth fighting for Oh, oh. I know my good things are worth fighting for Tell me what's your good thing Tell me what's your good thing. Show me what's your good thing. Is that the same as chasing after the wind Trying to make sense of what I don't understand Got me thinking I know my good things are way waiting for